us into place, into position. Uh, really simple review. Uh, times of we have, we're looking at Jesus, disciples, John the Baptist, and all the different things going on at that time. Times have been good, and they've been rough. They've been bad, they've been dark, whatever you want to say. You know, uh, Jesus you know, got the news of John the Baptist after just being kicked out of his hometown, basically, and possibly even chased out of town with pitchforks and whatnot, if they had that back then. So it's a bit rough. The ministry of Jesus was intense. It's crazy. It's, it's beautiful. And it doesn't stop. That's a cool thing. It's even the dark times. Jesus doesn't stop doing wonderful things. But things do get dark. Times do get rough. And we see Jesus always there. When things are wonderful and we're happy and we're smiling, Jesus is there. Now, we may not recognize his presence, and that's fine. But he's there. When things are dark and we're like, wait, what's going on? We might feel a bit sad, a bit guilty, even a bit frustrated. Like, where are you, Jesus? Are you not there? Well, you can rest assured that even in the dark times, Jesus is there. And that's what we talked about last week with the, um, the feeding of the, of the 5,000 men and you know, maybe 10,000 women and children and everything else to be added all together. And also with the storms. When you calm the storms, the disciples are on the ship, on the boat, crossing the Sea of Galilee. They're, you know, frightened, and where's Jesus? Well, Jesus is there. Jesus is there. And that's the message we were talking about mostly last week. Uh, folk are hungry. Storms are fierce. I like that word fierce. I was looking for an opportunity to put it in Bible study. Well, I said I shouldn't use the word fierce, but I think it's a rad word. So folk are hungry. Storms are fierce. He's there. He cares for people. He was there for his disciples. Jesus, he's there. And I like about Jesus, he's... I mean, he wanted to be alone. Remember that? He wanted to be alone? Just leave me alone, guys. Leave me alone, people. But when people came, he was so patient and so caring. Isn't Jesus amazing? I want to be like him. I'm not really all, because <laughs> I'm a grumpy old guy. But I, was, I just love Jesus' character, and I want that character in my life. Next one. So we pick up Matthew 5.1. Matthew 5.1 says this. And I entitled this little section, When Jesus Does Things Differently Than We Do. Now, we do things, we all do things certain ways. We all have habits, we all have rituals, we all have traditions, we all have things that we do, you know, morning rituals. You know, I wake up and I look at myself in the mirror for about 20 minutes and go, man, I am just beautiful. And then I comb my hair and brush my teeth and, ah, wonderful. Rituals, things that we do. Now, there's also religious things that we do. Sometimes we wake up and read our Bibles devotionally. Sometimes we pray. Sometimes we wait till the afternoon to do that. Sometimes we wait till the evening to do that. But there's things that we do that are religious rituals as well. Now, these things aren't in themselves good or bad. And that's the issues we're going to talk about today. Is we're going to talk about when things aren't necessarily good or bad, but it's just traditions. It's just the things that we do. Okay? We're not talking about sin. Okay, we're talking about sin and the avoidance of sin. We're talking about just the things that we do, okay? And now, if you're sinning, don't do that. Stop. <laughs> but, you know, we have certain things that we, we like, preferences, habits, whatever, traditions. So here the Pharisees in Matthew 5, 15, 1 says, some of the Pharisees' teachers came of law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? 
break the tradition. What's tradition? Well, tradition is, I've written down here, um, paradosis, giving over, which is done by word of mouth or in writing, by tradition, by instruction, narrative, precepts, so on and so forth. And, and that's an important thing for the culture of the time here, because you know, like even like with, with, with um, the Israel, you know, and the way how they passed down a lot of what they believed, even important things about God, like the Ten Commandments, you know. Moses gave us these commandments. They, they dedicate a lot of it to memory. And some of it was written down. Moses wrote things down. Joshua wrote things down. Isaiah and all the different, Ezra, I mean, all the different, in Isaiah and all the different prophets, they, they wrote things down so we can have them. And that's, aren't we glad they wrote these things so we can have them? In a sense, this, there is a tradition behind the word of God. But when we handle the word of God, there's something different than the tradition that we've got handed down to us, the word of God that comes from God, spoken by prophets, and the traditions of the elders. The tradition of the elders is something a little bit different. It's just the way how the old guys did things, so to speak. You know, it just, it's little, little habits that come about that are, we'll call it extra biblical. Okay? They're not the word of God. They're just things that we do that are not found in the word of God. They might, be, they might agree with the word of God. I don't think they're going to be contrary to the word of God. Some of them might be contrary to the word of God and shame on those. Jesus is going to do that today. He says shame on those who have traditions that are contrary to the word of God, which is much more important. So, is it possible for one to think that they are doing things just right, but be critically wrong? Jesus will teach us through interaction with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law how this can happen. Next slide, please. So when the actual commandments of God take a back seat to traditions, okay, Matthew 15, 3 says this. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? So you see the problem here. You break the command of God. What's higher? What's greater? The command of God or your tradition? These traditions of the elders, right? Why do you break the command of God? For God said, so here's what God says. When God says we listen very carefully and very closely, God has said, honor your father and mother. We know this. This is one of the Ten Commandments. It's amazing of when God spoke to Moses, he gave ten commandments. He could have given a ton of commandments. He could have given even fewer commandments. Like what Jesus said. He goes, here's the two commandments that you need to remember. Love God with all your heart and your soul and your mind with everything in you, basically. Just love God, and then love your neighbors like you love yourself. Two very difficult commandments. Because first of all, it's hard to commit your whole mind and soul and every passion in you to God. And number two, I don't, Linda here, no tenants, Linda, I don't like my neighbors. <laughs> no, I meant like in a general sense, people, people. You know, I mean, just, just people in your community, people in your neighborhood, people around you. It's just, it's hard because we disagree all the time. You know, we, we do, do things differently. We just, you know, people just tend to bump into other people, you know, and, and we have conflicts. I don't want to love them like I love myself because I love myself a lot. And that's the problem with humanity is we all love ourselves a bit too much. And we would solve a lot of ethical issues if we learned to love God with all of our heart, mind, souls, and to love others as we love ourselves. It will solve a lot of problems in our culture today. But... Of the Ten Commandments that God did speak, these are very important culturally, especially for protecting a society, for protecting a culture, is that the, the mother and fathers would be honored. That's very important for our culture, very important. Where there is no honor there, culture breaks down. God knew this. That's why he spoke it. Of the ten, he chose. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. That's how serious it is. Because it's a cancer to society. 
And God wanted to protect Israel when he gave him this, these commandments. But you say, so what God says, what you say, I'm sorry. But what God says is more important than what you say. God's more important than what even I say. Now bear in mind, you have opinions. You have your rituals. You have your things. And I've got my opinions. I've got my rituals and my things. We need to look at what God says. And we also need to be sensitive with, to each other and respectful to one another and say, you can do things differently than I do, and that's fine. But as long as we're consulting God, that's the important thing. Okay? So, you say that if anyone declares that what might have been used to help their father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Again, this is a little bit of a confusing statement, and I actually had to go and research this tradition. What does this mean? What is this tradition? Again, you say that if anyone declares what might have been used to help your father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honor their father or mother with it. Basically, there's a tradition at the time where um, things would be dedicated to God, basically. So, you know, your possessions, your home, dedicated to God. Your money, <laughs> dedicated to God. Your, 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 your material goods, dedicated to God. So when you get something, you say, this belongs to God. I dedicate this to God. And because God is a higher authority than your mom and dad, it cannot be bestowed upon your mom and dad because it's dedicated to God. So what would happen with these hypocrites here is that they dedicate everything to God so they won't help their mother and father. So already we see there's something missing here. A twisting of scriptures. So if it's devoted to God, it can't be given to mom and dad. But here's, here's the irony. Here's where the hypocrisy really comes from. You could use it all you want. So your home is your home. Your stuff is your stuff. Your clothes is your clothes. Your food your food. Your money is your money. It's not like you devote to God and you, and you don't use it yourself. They would use it themselves selfishly. But they would say, sorry, mom. Sorry, I can't help you. Because you see, all my stuff's devoted to God because I'm so righteous. I'm righteous. I devote myself to God. So mom, dad, I can't help you. Sorry. That breaks the law and the commandments of God. Because God says you need to honor your mom and father. This tradition is extra biblical. And it's a violation of the word of God. Thus, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. So again, I put in the bottom, sorry, mom, sorry, dad. I've dedicated all my stuff to, and money to God, so you can't have it. What's missing? What's missing? You guys see what's missing? I see what's missing. Next, please. Unfortunately, legalism, in a sense, usually does lead to hypocrisy. You could find it's hard to be legalistic. That's, that's why I try to avoid all my strength, because it's really hard to be consistent I found in my experiences, when you find somebody who's generally quite legalistic, you can trace and you can point to where there's hypocrisy, where there's errors in their system. I try not to do it because it's a bit unsensitive. <laughs> but it's possible, because generally it does lead to hypocrisy. And so Jesus says, you hypocrites, in verse 7. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. And this is him quoting Isaiah. These people honor me with their lips. Okay, the lips, the outward lips say, hey, yeah, God's good. Hey, I'm, look at me, guys. Hey, here, can I get your attention? I'm devoting my stuff to the Lord. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But the hypocrisy comes in, obviously, when their hearts, their hearts are far from me. And that is what's missing. What's missing? That's what's missing. Hearts are missing. 
the love, the compassion, the character of God. What is God's, one of God's most important first John characteristic attributes is love. It's love. It's missing. You can have all the most sophisticated laws and rules and rituals you want. If there's no love, if you're not loving people, if it sucks, then the, there's a huge void of love and compassion and care and love for people and love for God, then your traditions, your legalisms, your laws, your rituals are bogus. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. That's it. And you know what? Merely human rules. I don't like that because I don't like those things. I hate rules. I, I, I like to break rules. Even in games. Ask Gary. He, game, Gary loves rules in games. I hate them. I break them all the time because they're dumb. I hate rules. I hate to be told what to do. Call it my pride, whatever. Call me human, whatever. Call me sin, whatever. I just don't like rules. Rules just, they get in my way. They're frustrating. But what I see in these scriptures is if the heart is devoted to God, if the heart is devoted to God, if you have this, this, this character of loving, this spiritual felt, enforced, powerful love for God and for people, there's no need for rules. Even Paul talked about that. He's like, the, the law is for those who are in sin. The law are for those who don't know God. <coughs> Paul was a huge proponent of Christian liberty. I like what, what, what um, was it Augustus who said it? Um, love God and do whatever you want, basically. Do whatever you please. If you're truly loving God, then you can do whatever you please. Because if you're truly loving God, you're not going to sin. Because sin goes against everything that establishes a relationship with God. So that's Christian liberty. Just, yeah. If you're loving God while you're doing something, that's one thing I say like to teenagers. You know, if they're caught up in sin. Or if they have, what we're going to talk about here in a moment, scruples. Well, is it right or is it wrong? Is it right or is it wrong? And they have this debate. I go, if you could do it and love God, then there you go. But I know, and you know, that we can't love God when we're doing sin. We can't do it. It's, it's hypocrisy. It's a lie. And so what about the scruples? Things that aren't sin, like cigarette smoking or tattoos or piercings and all the little things that we are culturally a little bit of a gray area. Well, if you're loving God, you know, I don't know. You need to speak to God about this and see what God says to you. So Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of the mouth. So what a person eats, what they, you know, goes in their mouth, does not defile them. Jesus is going to get very specific here later on, saying when you eat it, you eliminate it, and it's gone, basically. But what comes out of your mouth, that's what shows us. He's already talked about how the heart of the mouth speaks. So the character of the person is known by their actions, their behavior, their attitude, the words they use, okay? Again, the word hypocrites, I defined down here, just in case if you didn't notice it. Earlier he says, you hypocrites. It's one who answers uh, like an interpreter. So it's not their own words. They're just kind of passing things back and forth. That's not their own intention. An actor, this is what you say, this is what you do. Okay, an actor does it. So it's not genuine. It doesn't come from the heart of that person. They're just acting it. Stage player, uh, a dissembler, which is basically just a religious actor, a pretender, hypocrite. Okay? So what is missing? What is missing? What is missing? We saw it. It's the heart. The hearts are far from me. The love. The love of God. That important characteristic of God. How will the world know that we belong to him? But because of the love that we have for one another. 
right? We gotta love each other. And listen, next slide, I'm gonna get hard. This is where things are gonna get a little bit iffy, so we're gonna get sweaty in our armpits here, so just do this. Because I'm gonna get, I'm gonna use some cultural things. Things that we are all gonna disagree with. I'm gonna throw some things out, and I know, because I've talked to all you guys, a lot of you guys might disagree with me on certain these things. But I'm gonna throw it out of there anyways. Knowledge versus love. What's right, what's wrong? Knowledge versus love. When it's not the law then, if it's not a matter of sin, it's a matter of scruples. A scruple is a doubt or hesitation that troubles the conscious or that comes from the difficulty of determining whether something is right or wrong. So it's a conflict. Because in cultures, a lot of things that have arisen that aren't directly addressed by the scriptures. And even when we use the scriptures, it's like, okay, I've got a really good hunt. Or we can make really good arguments. Like, yeah, that, I think that really applies to the situation. Yeah, that's it. Boom, I made my mind. But, well, there's gray areas. And somebody else might come with another bunch of scriptures and say, well, I see things a bit differently. We're like, well, that's weird. How come I'm seeing it this way and you're seeing it that way? Scruples. Well, how do we deal with these scruples? Is it with pride that puffs up? Or is it with building up? Paul's going to deal with this. Three things we can learn about scruples. Three excellent principles on scruples. And we're going to read it in a moment in 1 Corinthians 8. Puffing up versus building up. That's the first principle we're going to learn. Second principle is there's only one God. Really, truly, there's only one God. You guys know that? There's only one God. That's just a fact. <laughs> Let's not give what belongs to him to others who don't exist. Interesting, isn't it? Do you realize that God created the heavens and the earth, right? This belongs to him. Every day, every moment, every place, everything belongs to him. Let's not give it to any other God. And number three, don't hurt others. Three good principles. Where's my Bible at? It's right here. I'm going to read this. Turn with me, please, to 1 Corinthians 8. Now, I love this scripture because it really helps us to figure things out. Whoa. It helps us to avoid legalism. And it helps us to really make sense for things for ourselves when it comes to things of culture. Is it right or is it wrong? Should I do it or should I not? Awesome scriptures these ones are. And, and Paul, does, he, 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 he explains it very carefully here in this whole chapter, chapter 8, and he, to the church in Corinth. And he also does a very similar account to the church in Rome. And we'll deal with that as well. Just to make it very clear what Paul's saying here with these scruples. When it's not law. Well, it's not concrete, but it's a gray area. So verse 1. Now, about food sacrifice to idols. So here's the cultural issue. Food sacrifice to idols. Now, I'm going to throw something out there with you right now. Because like I said, I'm going to get trying to get cultural. When I was in America, we didn't have this halal stuff, okay? I didn't know anything about it until I came to Scotland. Because we don't have a huge Islamic culture where I come from in California. We've got kosher, a lot of Jews, a ton of Jews, a lot of kosher stuff. And I was cool. I was kosher with kosher. But when I came to Scotland, I first encountered halal. And I was like, what's this halal stuff? You see it everywhere. And it's advertised. And, and one Christian, I don't know if he's right or wrong, okay, he told me basically it's food sacrificed to a false god, the god of Islam. I didn't like that. And so I avoided it for a long time because of scruples. I didn't like it. I didn't feel comfortable with it. Now I'm okay with it. And let me tell you why. Now about food sacrifice to idols, <laughs> or to Allah. We know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up. Okay, this is 1 Corinthians 8. Yeah, right there, okay. All knowledge, yeah, 1 Corinthians, okay. We know about food sacrifice to idols, we all know that we all possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Okay, very important. Like I said, the first principle, knowledge 
puffs up. It's, it, 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 it stimulates your pride. But love builds up. It looks out for other people. That's a very important principle. The man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. But the man who loves God is known by God. So then, verse 4, so then, what about eating food sacrificed to idols? Okay, so you see how this relates to my issue, right? We know that an idol is nothing at all in the world and that there is no God but one. Guys, embrace that. Allah doesn't own halal food. It belongs to God because he created it. There's no God but the true God. For even if there is our so-called gods, and they're all just so-called gods, aren't they? Whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many quote-unquote gods and many quote-unquote lords, yet for us, so in reality, there is but one God, and that's the Father, Jehovah God, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. So that food belongs to God. Now, I'm going to get really controversial here, and you guys are going to hate me for this. Because both in America and Britain, there's this debate about Halloween. (laughs) And I know a lot of you guys here disagree with me on this, so I apologize. But I'm just going to throw it out there. Halloween is a day that belongs to God, in my opinion. Because all days belong to God. Everything belongs to God. And I want to restore back to God. I want to give it back to God. So for me, and I've, Danny had this debate with Christian friends and Carl Luke. So we know it's a big culture hot one. And for me to throw it out there is me being naughty. And I apologize for this. But let me just say, I, for, for Danny and I, I mean, every day belongs to God. And, and the thing is, you know, yeah, we do. We like to dress up our children and go, but the reason why, and I believe it's because I'm confident that that they actually belongs to God, and there is no heathen God or pagan God, they don't exist, is that I want to meet people in our community and share the gospel. Again, Danny and I are missionaries, so we go, and there's not many days in the year where people will let you in their house. Okay, I know you guys disagree with me. I'm putting it out there. This is not the church's position. This is my position, okay? So you can agree with me. And, and, and we open our doors, and we let people come into our house, and we share the gospel with them. Shame on us. But I use these verses to justify ourselves for that. <laughs> now, Danny has had friends, like at the car, Luke, who say, well, we don't want to do that, and we respect that, and we honor that. What do you do then on Halloween when people come to your house? They close the door, turn off the lights, and they hide. I'm like, okay, that's fine. But, but, but again, for me, I'm like, oh, I love people coming to my house. You know, because come on in. Let's talk about the gospel. Now, bear in mind, in their minds, I have to say most kids I know don't actually acknowledge the pagan culture. Mostly the adults that acknowledge it. But they, they come in, and I go, you might think that this is a pagan holiday, but actually all days belong to the Lord. And so this, is, this, is, this belongs to the true and living God. This doesn't belong to any other God, because there is no other God. There is Satan. I understand there's Satan, but Satan is a defeated foe. And for those who... Um, belong to Christ, Satan has no, he's a defeated foe, he's a defeated enemy. Now for the world, he has captivated him. But I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I wanna play a military strategy and I'm gonna go in and infiltrate. <laughs> go into homes when I can. Go into, and you guys know, I go into pubs as well and play Christian punk rock music and that's culturally weird as well, I understand. So there's a lot of things in culture that I do 
because I feel like it's the right thing for me to do, that a lot of Christians will say, no, you shouldn't do that. No, you shouldn't. Here's another issue, just to get off the Halloween thing. Tattoos and piercings. I know a lot of Christians where I come from who are deaf about tattoos and piercings. Okay, but I know also other Christians who say, you shouldn't mark your body because your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. So what do we do? I mean, don't get me wrong. I've had Christians tell me that God has told them that they should get a piercing and tattoo. And I think that's dumb. You just do it because you want to. Okay, I don't, don't tell me that God's told you to get it. But, okay, fine. Again, I took, I told you I'm going to get a little bit controversial, so believe bear with me. But if God's told you, I, how, how can I? It, 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 rule of thumb for me is if God's told you something, I can't argue with you. I can't argue with you. Because how can I argue with that? <laughs> you can't argue with people who said God's told me. Because I know what it's like. I've had God show me certain things, and I'm confident about it. As long as it doesn't contradict the word of God, you know, okay. So again, t- piercings, I don't have a single piercing and a single tattoo in my body. A single one. Am I against it? No, I just don't like it. I just don't bother with it. But I know Christians who love it, and then they do that. And that's, okay, well, it's scruples. Okay, so obviously we can see how, fiddle, how heated, how, how much of a debate we can see here. And I can keep going. Why well, I can keep going. Let me think. No. Okay. <laughs> I can keep going. We can, it, it can get really hot in our culture. But here's the trick. Here's the rule of thumb. We continue on in verse 7. But not everyone knows this. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat such foods, they think of it as having been sacrificed to idol. And I, I was stuck there with the whole hello thing. I did not want to touch it. And I did that for a couple years at least. Did not want to touch it. Why? Because my heart wasn't right with it. I felt guilty. I felt like, no, I don't like it. I just don't like it. I'm not going to have it. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat it, and we're no better if we do. Here's another issue. I told you I wasn't going to. I'm going to do it anyways. Smoking. Alcohol. There's another two things. I mean, I know some Christians. I mean, Jesus made wine, and I do believe that was fermented wine. Jesus okayed wine. Alcohol, beer is a big part of European culture. It's a big part of the culture of Jesus' time. What about it? A lot of people will actually use these scriptures to say why they don't choose to drink, and I think that's the right thing to do. But it's another gray area. But what about drinking? It, again, he says, but food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we do not eat it, and no better if we do. Okay? Now, I think the issue is abuse. So food, what about certain foods? The issue with food isn't the food it's the abuse of it. When abuse is a character, that's a, so it's a gluttony, for instance, you know, um, alcohol, alcoholism, you know, drunkardism, which is, again, these are, we can find the scripture that gluttons and, and, and the drunkards, that, that, that is, those are people who practice those lifestyles. They don't really fit. They don't understand, they're not part of God's kingdom. And those are hard words to see and hear. But the food itself is, we would call it amoral, but neither bad nor good. Verse 9, and here's where we get right to the nitty-gritty, why we do the things we do. How we decide our positions on these things I brought out. And I can keep going, but I'm not going to because I'm starting to get flushed. All these things I bring out, what position do we take then? Verse 9, be careful, however, that the exercise of your freedom, remember we're talking about Paul's, talking about the Christian liberty, be careful that the exercise of your freedom does not become a stumbling block. Does not become a stumbling block to the weak. Those, of course, referring to the consciousness who are like we're sensitive to it, right? For if anyone with a weak or sensitive consciousness 
sees you are have you have this knowledge. Okay, the knowledge, right? Eating in an idol's temple. Hey, look at me, woohoo! Been up, like, for instance, rock and roll in a pub, or doing the Halloween thing, or doing the uh, the tattoos, the piercings, or drinking and doing all this stuff. You know, whatever you have the freedom to do. But if somebody sees it, and they and they're stumbled by it, what do we do? Verse eleven. So this weak brother, for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. Because you have the knowledge, you have the confidence you can do that. You can destroy another person. Now that scares me. And that's why a lot of Christian brothers and sisters I know, they don't touch alcohol, for instance. Because they know that there's other people in their life who struggle with it. Or smoke or whatever. Because they know that people, Christian people, struggle with it. And they don't want to... They don't want to put a stumbling block. They don't want to put something to trip them up. And even with my, and I apologize, the Halloween perspective, I don't talk about it much. I did today because of one-off. And I won't say it ever again, probably, unless you ask. Because I know it does stumble people. And so you won't hear me say it ever again unless you bring it up. Okay? I don't want to destroy anybody. I don't want to trip anybody up. I don't want anybody to be hurt because of me. And that's what point three is. Don't hurt others. That's the bottom line. What's missing? It's the heart. It's the love. Love of God and love of people. Verse 12. When you sin against your brothers in this way. See, scruples can become sin if they're mishandled and misused. When you sin against your brothers in this way and wound their conscience, their weak or sensitive conscience about the matter, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause him to fall. This is not legalism, guys. This is not Paul living a legalistic life. So this is Paul living a life of love, charity, care, and sensitivity. He is being Christ-like. Christ wanted to have some time alone, but he died to that moment to care for others who were there. Sacrificing, saying no to ourselves for others. This is not legalism. This is not the law. This is scruples. And so what do I do? What do you do? When it comes to these disagreements, in my past, you call it, let's not major on the minor issues. These minor issues come up. We talk about it. We debate about it. And we, hmm, wonder. We compare scriptures. We as mature adults, who are mature adults in Christ, need to have strong Opinions. We need to be certain about what we believe in and confident. But that's it. Be confident in that. Love each other. When somebody comes and says, ah, maybe they're not quite there yet. Maybe they don't see things quite the way you see things. What's the most important thing is that we love each other. We care for each other. Because why? Your knowledge, my knowledge, knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. We want to build each other up. Well, we dealt with some heavy stuff. I don't want to end with this. Next slide. <laughs> Real quick, I'm going to read through Romans. Romans says very similar things. I think this is very edifying. Romans 14. And I have it up here if, if you just want to read it, if you don't want to change your Bibles. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. That's what destroys churches. That's what destroys friendships. That's what destroys relationships. Let's stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother and sister. Let's just make it easy. Let's just not trip each other up. If you know it's going to wind somebody up, don't bring it up. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. Think about that. Of course, here he's talking about amoralistic things. Okay? Amoralistic things. Like, say, going back to, like, a cup of beer. A cup of beer is amoralistic. That means it in itself is not right or wrong. It's just a cup of beer. 
we attribute morality to it with the way how our attitude, our behavior, or how we handle it. So it's us who are moralistic and how we attribute maybe abuse or respect. Respect would be good. Abuse would be wrong, right? But the cup of beer is just a cup of beer. Nothing is unclean of itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, okay, so you come up and say, yeah, that beer is unclean. <laughs> what do you do? If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat or drink for this situation, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God, and that's what we're interested in, right, guys? The kingdom of God is not a matter of these petty things. It's not a matter of these little useless things like eating and drinking. What is God interested in? Righteousness. Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. All these little things are going to pass away anyways. But what will remain? Righteousness. Peace. Joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Last slide, please. And this is truly the last slide. Matthew 15, 12 to 20. We're going to finish that portion of scripture up. It says this. The disciples came to him and asked, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when you heard when they heard this? And these issues can be offensive. They can be hard to talk about. Don't you know they were offended by it? Jesus responds, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them. So again, if God's doing a work, it'll, fruit, it'll be fruitful and we'll see it'll last. If he doesn't do a work, it'll go away. So we just need to be patient, just chill out. If it's genuine, it'll last. If it's not, it'll go away. I like that mentality. Leave them. They are blind guides. And as we more specific here now to the Pharisees, they are blind guides, and they are, because they are religious spokespeople, but they were wrong. And they're like, you know the saying, it's here in the scriptures, the blind leading the blind. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, explain the parable to us. And we're going to end with this explanation, this parable. And Jesus said to Peter, are you still so dull? Yes, Jesus, I'm, I'm dull. I need explanations. Please, Peter's probably feeling the same way. Please explain this to us, Jesus. Jesus asked him, don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? Okay, you eat it, you get rid of it. But the things that come out of a person's mouth, here is the bottom line, guys. Again, returns to this. Your heart, your heart, your heart. The thing that comes out of a person's mouth comes from the heart. What you put on, what you put in, what you do with it, doesn't matter. What matters is the heart. Is your heart right? Are you with God or not? There'll be evidence. And you're not going to do something sinful. And you're not going to hurt other people if your heart's right, right with God. These defile them. You see, these guys, these, these Pharisees, looked so good on the outside. But like Jesus called them, whitewashed tombs. Because they looked so right on the outside, but the inside they were all messed up. If you're going to be messed up, now I'm just being silly here. If you're going to be messed up, be messed up on the outside, not the inside. <laughs> My mentality is give your heart and your life to God, and, and he'll sort out everything, starting from the inside out. Okay? For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. A person who's obsessed and, 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 and just 
practicing lives of, of lying and deceit and manipulation, um, slander, gossip. You know, I mean, these are the things that are damning. These are the things that are defiling. Defile, by the way, means to make common or unclean. You know, sleeping with somebody you're not supposed to be sleeping with. You know, stealing things that aren't yours, taking things, being dishonest about, you know, your taxes or whatever. You know, lying about things. You know, hatred towards people. You know, gossiping against people. These are the things that really make you defiled. 